Welcome to What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong, the coconutiest trending news and pop culture stories from around the region. Today is September 22nd, 2022. Oh, 2222. From two, Jakarta, two, two, two. I'm Andrew Nazari. And from Manila, I'm Sam Beltran. Hi. Hey, so the biggest news story in the whole world. I know. Is. is Not Queen Elizabeth. Not Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> that, was, that was so last week. We moved on is, quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Levine's alleged unfaithfulness. Okay, I I have no say in this. I mean, I'm not going to try to defend men mm-hmm. in in this in this debate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just gonna let you give the floor to you to air your rant, so to speak. Oh my God, where do I even start? First of all, she's not even that hot. Right? I mean, you literally have a Victoria's Secret model. I mean, Angel even. I think I think she's a Victoria's Secret Angel. Is that you like have... top level? It is. It's like, okay. Right? Okay. It's like if you want to be like a top model, like a supermodel. Like I'm not saying it's the only, you know, job out there. Like it's not the end all be all of being like a model. But like it's it's pretty up there. Right? Mm. And then you have a you have somebody who is a self-proclaimed Instagram model. Like the audacity to cheat on your wife with somebody who's like not even there. As I was saying off air earlier, this is like Charles going from Diana to Camilla all over again, except that obviously Adam Levine is way hotter than a certain newly crowned king. <laughs> <laughs> We're going there. His We're going mom there. just died. His oh, mom just died. <laughs> and he did not have the appropriate pen to sign his documents. I know. Poor oh guy. my god. But okay, so and and here's the thing. Like obviously I was just, you know, I was just being cheeky when I was comparing her being a supermodel and the other being an Instagram model, right? But I mean like the audacity, like it shouldn't even matter whether, you know, Bahati was hotter than this what's her face. But like, <laughs> dude, like Adam, they like honestly, the much. audacity. Like you know you can get it anytime, any day of the week. She, like I, okay, I, I don't want to generalize everybody, but I think like a big part of why you know people cheat, even if they're in happy marriages, is because like you know it's it's an ego issue, right? Mm. Like it could be an insecurity issue, like it could be I don't mm. know, like maybe you think your wife is harder than you are, but I mean like this is Adam freaking Levine, like honestly, one of the hottest music stars in the world, and yeah. you're married, you're married to a supermodel, and you have a baby on the way, like wh- how is this not clicking? After who he was the, going to name after the I know it oh is my god like hey but for okay, no, no, no. for what it's okay. worth like he did go on the record recently saying that he did not like at least like sleep with her like, they did exchange some saucy messages DMs okay so that was that was that was like the best part of it like right like I, like he was like oh I didn't have an affair with her mm. but I crossed the line. So it's like, what do you mean? Like, how is this? How is this different? Like, where do you draw the line between not cheating versus like? And he didn't even say like, oh, I didn't sleep with her. He said I did not have an affair with her. 
Yeah, it's like I'm I saying. Know. I, I didn't. I didn't sleep with her because you know it was just a tip. <laughs> That's like the <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh God. Maybe that's exactly what happened. No, no, honey, it was just a tip. Didn't go inside. <laughs> oh my God. Well, <sighs> that is the sort of insight you would get to like the hottest stories around the world, and that is the sort of insight you would get at this podcast. Exactly. This like cutting edge. Sorry to disappoint you. Know, <laughs> Shall we talk about things that actually matter in our region? <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. So, yes. Admittedly, this whole thing has been really entertaining. I mean, um, it has, so. you know. It's another juicy thing to talk about after one country losing a, a symbolic head of state. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, let's, let's go talk about the top stories of the week. From a man painting artwork with his peepee to alien worshippers in Bangkok... Coconuts TV brings you wacky and impactful documentaries from across the region. Don't miss out. Head down to our Coconuts TV YouTube channel to subscribe and enjoy. Okay, so speaking of important stories around the region, September 21 is the 50th anniversary of martial law. And that was Mm. when Ferdinand Marcos Sr., had placed the country under authoritarian rule. And surprise, surprise, guess who the president is now, 50 years later? Bong, bong. Bong, bong. So, yeah. So, exactly. So, the hashtags never forget and never again topped Twitter trends as Filipinos took to the social media platform to commemorate 50 years since... Marcus Sr. declared martial law by signing Proclamation Number 1081. So, yeah, I mean, you know, this is obviously like a cultural and historical crisis in the Philippines, right? Because on one hand, you have 31 million people who voted his son back into power. But then you have, you know, other people who obviously believe that that shouldn't have been the case. So, you know, like on Twitter, for example, you, you have university students who call on their classmates to wear black as a sign of protest against the period of authoritarian rule in the Philippines, which was marked by the death of press freedom, widespread human rights violations, and plunder. And yikes. yikes, yeah. And then, of course, several Twitter users drew attention to the startling figures of corruption and human rights abuses that were recorded during the martial law era. So let's just run through them quickly. So um, there was about 683 million U.S. dollars worth of Marcus assets that were declared as ill-gotten. There were about 70,000 people who were detained for their political actions during the time and about 34,000 people tortured and yeah, 398 enforced disappearances from 1965 to 1986. And there were a total of 11,103 victims of human rights violations. So, yeah. I know that if you go over to Coconuts Manila, you could even see this image. So this was actually like, this image just went viral around the world back when, you know, viral wasn't a thing. So yeah, so it's an image of a of a little boy from Negros who was severely malnourished and was taken during 1985 at the height of the Negros famine. So Negros is a place in the Philippines where a lot of sugar uh, used to be produced. So it is being produced to this day, but there was a time when the Marcos administration tried to control sugar production in the area. 
which led to widespread hunger and malnutrition mm. on the island. So yeah, so you know, like others did also recognize the importance of remembering what took place 50 years ago, you know, in the context of another Marcos sitting as president. So one of them was Barry Gutierrez, who is the former vice president, Lenny Robredo's spokesperson, who said that he wished uh, Marcus Jr. to do well as president since too many will suffer otherwise, but pointed out that recognizing the atrocities of martial law was still important. And, you know, another guy who has a following on Twitter, his name is Jerry Kakanindin. So he's a creative director. He said that the real legacy of martial law is the extinction of a whole generation of intellectuals, public servants and freedom fighters who were persecuted during the period and said that that is why we are left with the dregs. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting is that uh, September 21 is the 50th anniversary of martial law. But this is taking place while Bong Bong is on a week-long trip to the United States and is participating in the United Nations General Assembly in New York City. So for the longest time, Bong Bong has not been able to step on U.S. soil because he and his mother Imelda face a $353 million contempt order for not answering a judgment call against Marcus Sr. in a 1995 human rights class action lawsuit. But now, since he's the head of state of the Philippines, he is protected by diplomatic immunity. So, yeah, that's Philippine history for you. Yeah, it's a pretty dark, dark past. I know. But um, I guess one question I do have for you is that with Bong Bong in power now, how long has it been? Like a few months? Six months? He was sworn into office in June this year. Right. Okay. Has there been any indication whatsoever and that hopefully not that he will follow in his father's footsteps? Um, you know, I guess it's, it's hard to say, to be honest. Like, I wouldn't know if he would declare martial law again, per se. But I do think that definitely on top of his list is restoring the glory and the legacy of his family, which mm. I think they're well on their way, you know, into succeeding if they haven't already done it yet. They have, you know, reinstated certain, you know, longtime cronies of theirs during his father's era into power. Like they've legitimized that. And, you know, like the persecution against people who speak out, like, you know, you have, you know, the persecution on certain independent media outfits, you know, you have the thing against Rappler going on. Mm. And, you know, like, you know, I think on top of the list is definitely, you know, just really sort of changing people's perceptions about how his father's era was perceived. And, you know, I mean, I guess it may as well be a de facto thing, to be honest. Mm. So, yeah. So they're, they, they, they're playing a long game, mm, it looks pretty like. Pretty sure. Yep. To install like some kind of dynasty for generations. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, like, you know, you have his son, like who was mm. just elected, um, congressman of Ilocos, which is where they come from. So, I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he's in it to be future president as well. And this becomes like sort of like a family business thing for them. So, yeah. A de facto monarchy. Yep, exactly. Speaking of. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, hmm. I guess I guess we are going back to talking about Queen Elizabeth, who had her funeral this week but out of coconuts bangkok they reported that no thai royals attended the queen's funeral hmm. so as world leaders converged on london for queen elizabeth ii's funeral thailand sent its ambassador to the uk 
to join the ceremony. And that meant that Thailand's royal family did not attend. And so the highest mm. ranking official known to be attending the ceremony is Pisanu Subanayjata, ambassador to the UK. And, you know, it's quite interesting given that it's 2022 and, you know, monarchies are so a thousand years Obsolete. Ago, right? <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. obsolete. But there were a lot of monarchs from around the world who did actually fly to London to pay their respects, including Spain's King Felipe and Queen Letizia, and like even former kings and queens, and of course, uh, King Willem Alexander and Queen Maxima of the Netherlands. Then there's Norway, Monaco. Wow, man, this is kind of depressing how, like, how many monarchies still exist. I know. Oh, wow. Like, especially in Europe, like, just reading the list here. And, like, I, I get it. Like, like in the Middle East, of course, it's all, like, it's all monarchies. Like, they're all and, princes. Mm, yeah. Emirs and kings and crown princes and whatnot. Malaysia, too. Get with the times, people. So I, I take it Bongbong didn't go because he was at the UN. Thing yeah, in yeah, he was New in the York. US. But I'm sure if, 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 if his mom had it her way... I mean, like, I don't know if you've seen The Crown, but like, you know, she's she's mentioned a couple of times or late. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. I watched. Yeah. I tried. I really tried watching it, uh, The Crown. Um, honestly, I commend it for its like acting and and sure. directing and all and all. Like, sure. it's, it's, it's all excellent in those departments, right? But I yeah. just could not bring myself to sympathize with the royal family at all. Like, and I know, again, right? like why like, am I like, watching something about their silly little problems? I know, their, their little privileged, privileged problems. I know. Oh, it's like boo-hoo. They don't like Megan. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a celebrity join the royal family. How tragic. I know. Uh, oh well. But I mean, okay, I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful. Um, you know, I know that Queen Elizabeth did mean you know, a lot to certain people who probably, you know, grew up with her as a figure. But Mm. yeah, I mean, you know, and it is kind of sad as an era. And I guess, you know, her death is culturally important. But yeah, you know, guys, I mean, they're royals, right? I mean, yeah. And let's see, let's see if King Charles can garner the same kind of love and adoration. I mean, exactly. Once he finds his pen. (laughs) okay speaking of death we go over to malaysia where it seems that they don't want muslims to say rest in peace for queen elizabeth or anybody else for that matter who is not muslim and we are joined by coconut scale reporter amina farid hello amina hi Hi, amina hi andra Thanks so, for having uh, me on the show. What's Sam. what is going on here? Um, can you talk about your story, yeah, which you like a... funnily titled "Grave Disappointment"? Um, <laughs> but that 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 is a good headline. That is a very punny headline. I know. Um, yeah. But yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you. I knew stage. you were gonna like that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, earlier this week, um, in light of Queen Elizabeth's um, passing. Uh, Malaysia's federal territories uh, mufti or Islamic jurist, as we like to call it, Lukman Abdullah. He came out with a statement saying that Muslims are actually forbidden to say rest in peace to non-Muslims. What? Basically, he said that 
the, there are several hadiths and Quranic verses that say Islam does not accept the forgiveness of those who die as non-Muslims. You know, basically, we live in a world where sometimes we think that if you're a non-Muslim, you go to hell. That's like bottom right. line. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's the mentality of some people, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, however, he did sit as a gesture of respect for another human being. It is okay for Muslims to extend their condolences to non-Muslims, as long as it's not like rest in peace. Although I really don't see anything wrong with rest in peace. It's just, I'm not asking for your forgiveness or anything. Mm. You know, I'm right. not asking for forgiveness on your behalf. I'm just saying rest in peace. I mean, I don't know if you're going to get that peace. Who knows? <laughs> you know? But mm-hmm. the thing is, like, it's, it's, it's interesting because like there was like a counter argument to it. So a local news portal got an academic, a Turkish scholar, uh, Mustafa Akyul. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of him. But he is saying that Muslims can say rest in peace when offering their condolences to deceased non-Muslims. He, he said that God's mercy is not limited to Muslims. So it, it really created like a whole debate around, around oh this whole recipes. But, but the thing is that Malaysia is really no stranger to these things. I'm not sure if you remember, yeah. but I'm not sure if you know yeah. this, but every year we have this debate about wishing our, our non-Muslims Merry Christmas, our Christmas celebrating friends a Merry Christmas. It, it's yeah. always an issue. We have year. that too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so, a it's prevalent in the Muslim world, actually. I, I yeah, see it yeah, it's just very confusing, I guess, for some people. Right, you know, like okay, I'm just saying rest in peace, but I'm not like you know, it's not like I'm praying to his or her God. Yeah, because you see exactly. the whole uh, Merry Christmas thing. It's it's predicated on the well. Some scholars say if you wish somebody a Merry Christmas or Merry Hanukkah or whatever, you're validating their beliefs. Right, that's what they argue, and by validating other people's beliefs, it it kind of means that you believe what they believe, which I think is a total load of crock. Because no, if you have conviction in what you believe, you should be secure enough to say whatever you want and still believe in your own God. You know? Yeah, okay, yeah. So, like, yeah, as definitely. as the only non-Muslim in the room. So basically, would you say that Islam isn't so big on religious tolerance? Like, what are your beliefs on that? No, I I think Islam at its core is a really beautiful religion. It's just that it's the views that come from people who practice the religion because they have a lot Mm. of bias. So, I I mean, I think you hear this all the time. It's like, because like, I've read quite a bit on it and I, I, I truly, you know, as a believer, I believe, but like, when it comes to all these nonsensical things like you can't say rest in peace i just know to differentiate that person's opinion from the actual religion Mm. just like the bon adori festival i'm not sure if you guys remember but malaysia's religious minister a few months back um before the bon adori festival he he came out to say that muslims should avoid attending the bon adori festival or they may stray from the right path uh, i mean yeah. god damn god damn. <laughs> <laughs> no but like to add like, to that to add to yeah. that like to to answer your question um sam like i grew up as a muslim i grew up on stories about the prophet muhammad there's this like group of, I believe it was like Jews, right? Jews are supposed to be like the eternal enemies of Islam or whatever, you know? 
And and there's this, like this, this group of Jews who would chuck things at him, like rocks and sometimes uh, dirt or, and stuff like that. But when this one person who has been assaulting him, he fell, he was on his deathbed, the Prophet Muhammad still went to go and visit him and like as a beautiful gesture, like forgave him for all that he did. But like that's that's what the kind of values I grew up on. So just right. like little rules made by these what I see as like, you know, insecure factions of Islam, it, it, it just right. troubles me, you know, like yeah. you're trying to exclude yourself from like an increasingly global world. Because mm. I mean, like it says here, so like it says that you are allowed to offer your condolences as long as they're not among the enemies of Islam, which is what like one Mufti said. Right. So that means that that's not congruent to the teachings and how Muhammad behaved. Right. Because I mean, like he he forgave his enemies. Mm. That is true. Yeah. So like so so they really just sometimes use Islam to their women fancies and whatever suits them. Right. And that's what I have the problem. And most of the time, it's really just a political agenda. Yeah. You mm. know, they, they, yeah, it's, it's just for the sake of politics. So I really, I take what they say with a pinch of salt. Right, right. Yeah. But so, I guess my question to you, Amina, is um, obviously yeah. not everybody thinks the way uh, you do. How are Malaysians taking this advisory, so to speak, from the Mufti? I feel like Malaysians are really tolerant people, I would say. So when things like this are said, most of the time people are just like, they just laugh it off. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one. You know that kind of thing. Right, it it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't really get into the heads unless you're talking about the the minorities who really believe this. Then yes, but for those like me, which is like okay, yeah, whatever. Another another nonsense remark from you know <laughs> that specific department in our country. <sighs> so sometimes I feel like whatever they say, it's not really. It's not reflective of how the Malaysian public is actually like all right that's good to hear and um yeah yeah hopefully you don't get to experience more of this stuff unless of course december comes and christmas is looming and you will probably have to go through all of this again yes <laughs> thank you so much we will talk about it then <laughs> yes, yeah we'll talk, we about, it talk then. about it then <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the Thanks show always thank a pleasure you. to have you on. we're going back to the topic of, of royal families Samuel, mm -hmm. this time a fictional one, uh, right? A family who happens to my live only under the favorite sea. kind, by the way. <laughs> yes, my only yeah. favorite kind. The Targaryens and uh, oh my god! Like, have you? Have oh you my keep, god! Keeping up with House of the No, Dragon? I haven't. Okay. But like, seeing all the memes is making me want to catch on. Okay, but yeah. I, don't, I won't spoil nervous. anything. But fucking hell, man! Fine. Fuck, seriously. Again, really? Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, moving on to Coconut Jakarta. We've all heard all the debate surrounding the Little Mermaid remake, right? Hmm. I mean, it's really depressing to really go into it. It's I mean, stupid. I can't believe this is a thing. I can't believe people are making a thing out of a black actress playing Ariel. Wish I could be part of that world. No, but remember this was a thing a while back. Remember when they did the Harry Potter play thing and then they cast a black Hermione? Like, I mean, like, no. it's, it's, it's a thing. <sighs> it's called acting, oh, people. Well. 
Anyway. No, and it's called fictional. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. But carry on. You know, just when I thought, just when like we all thought like the debate has died down, this TikTok content creator in Indonesia decided to do a little video featuring some blackface to mock mm-hmm. their remake. It's really it's really fucked up. And, you know, as if the whole debate isn't ridiculous enough, um, he decided to do this. Um, we're not, we did not dignify him with a share in the Coconut Jakarta article. So if you're expecting to see, to watch the video of this Black guy's face. TikTok video, you know, blackface video, then don't go to Coconut Jakarta for it. But I can describe it to you. So in that video, there's this guy, right? The TikTok uh, user. Sure. He, he sits with his back to the camera in front of the TV Right. And above him, mm-hmm. the, the, a caption reads, my daughter's reaction to the Little Mermaid trailer. So this guy is playing uh, the so-called daughter. Oh, my God. So right. when Ariel, who is played by Halle Bailey, comes on the screen, this man turns towards the camera with his face plastered by what appears to be a black mask. Anyway, it was like covering his whole face, uh, except for his eyes and mouth. And then he shouts to his fictional mom, Mommy, she looked just like me. And then oh she grabs a, a red wig and puts it on. What is wrong with you? Oh my God. Yeah. That yeah, is blatantly uh, racist. Yeah. Um, oh it was really fucked up. And uh, it appeared that the, he was flagged for violating the platform's community guidelines. Uh, because his account was temporarily inaccessible, but then he did come back, but the video had been removed. And the reason why we even found out about this is because a lot of Black TikTok users, they posted their shocked, absolutely shocked, like flabbergasted reactions to the video on TikTok. You know know how, that's how TikTok works, you know, like you fucking, you post something and then like, a million uh, reaction videos post uh, pop up. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, we did, we didn't actually see like the original video, but we like the reaction videos come stitched with the Indonesian dude's video, so it's still there. You can't not see it. Yeah. 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 Still there. Like if you want to search for it, you can, but I don't advise you to. Like, yeah, um, we don't know <laughs> if this guy is remorseful at all. He's. No. been quiet since um it's this story has gotten quite a bit of attention on on social media and a lot of people are condem- con- condemning him uh deservedly so but he hasn't said a word as of this recording time uh so yeah hasn't. it's really really disheartening because i don't know about in asia racism especially indonesia it's it's a taboo subject but a lot of us are actually racist even if we don't admit it Look, it's only taboo when it's about you, right? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. You hear about some somebody, you know, spitting on like a fellow Indonesian or maybe like in our case, like a Filipino, like, you know, you see a TikTok video and then they get mistreated and then it's suddenly everybody's like a advocate for equality and racism. But mm. and I know that yeah. like this conversation in itself, it's complicated because racism like there's a lot to unpack in terms of like power structures and shit and how you can't be you know racist towards like white people technically and you know all all that complicated shit but like at the end of the day we're so ruled by our misconceptions and our 
own stereotypes and harmful stereotypes against you know other races and that's just ah oh, that's just shit yeah just well, shit. absolutely and part like we are fucking absolutely wrong, part right? of the reason why one indonesian guy thought this was okay to make this video is okay to make is because there isn't a big black community at all in indonesia so we don't know a lot of us uh, do not sympathize with exactly. black struggle um exactly like a lot of people scoffed a lot of people here scoffed at black lives matter when you know we do have our own thing going on like people from papua who are uh, also black they are victims of racism and discrimination and even we even a lot of us turn a blind eye towards them so when something happens in america or wherever else uh, somewhere in another corner of the world and people here speak out against like racism in against black people the the really disheartening thing is that those people get accused of like virtue signal, signaling and all that like they get accused of uh, you know like why are you uh, living by western sensibilities blah 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 we all have our like this isn't racist we have our own here. shit like, going home yeah yeah oh. this is, this wouldn't be considered racist here and i'm like why wouldn't you want to be just decent human beings who respect each other exactly what, like whatever wherever you are right because making a video like you know wearing a black mask and you know basically insulting the heck out of black people is apparently harmless so yeah <sighs> <sighs> We have much oh. to learn. I know. Okay, in other absurd news in Hong Kong, two women get locked down in scissor leg style takedown in Hong Kong amid claims wow. of infidelity. Round one, fight. So they just did it MMA style, or as you like to say, <laughs> as you Scissoring. told me, I know, off air, scissoring over dick. <laughs> Just, which is pretty much it. So two women, so they were filmed and then they were locked in an MMA-style scissor leg takedown in Taiwan where, you know, they were basically fighting over this dude, right? So there was, like, this woman in yellow who appears to be pulling the ponytail of the other woman can be heard asking in Cantonese, saying, are the police here yet? And then, you know, this uh, interesting thing is that there was a Caucasian man so it was one of four people there trying to stop the fight and then says, stop fighting. And then the, wo the woman responds in English, this woman not nice to me. And then says, she stole my husband. So this woman is apparently older. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Okay, keep going, please. I know, I know. And then the guy sympathizes and then goes, I know how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's another oh woman like, who gets into the whole situation and then she tries to untangle the two and then says, you have the right to be angry, but you have no right to hurt someone. <laughs> so throughout the video, the other woman who is involved in the fight and is wearing dark blue yoga pants appears to be clamping down on the other woman with her legs. And then, uh, you know, what's interesting is that apparently, you know, this woman, like, I mean, they're not a couple of randos, right? So this woman in yellow is apparently a lady boss of a famous Chu Chow restaurant located in Taiwan. Wow. And then another one said that, although we can't really confirm, is that, you know, a Chinese man who was trying to stop the fight is the husband of the woman in yellow. So going back to the whole Bahati thing, <sighs> let's not hope they get into a nasty scissoring situation.
Yeah, I, I, it appears that that's like the worst of it. Like nobody was really, really. I know, fighting. but like, okay, I just want to say, no guy is worth fighting over. Like getting cheated like, on is such a shitty thing to do. Sure, but no sure. guy is worth fighting over. Can I offer like a sexual twist in that? Is any dick worth scissoring over? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay. From the streets of Hong Kong, we go to the streets of Bali. Um, no prizes for guessing what Bali coconuts Bali reported on this week. Mm-hmm. It's not something about being, sex. No, not quite. Oh, foreigners, foreigners be being stupid and stupid. Foreign. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> a foreign woman, Caucasian, it appears, uh, was filmed sitting on the window of a moving car, so with like half, like her upper body out of the car while it was moving in a pretty narrow street, and she appears to be dancing. Well, and really enjoying herself. But have you ever watched the movie Hereditary? No. Oh my God, (laughs) you should get on it. It's one of the best horror movies of our generation. I'm not. Uh, No, you lost me at horror. You lost me at horror. So you're not going to watch it, right? I'm not. I, like, I just want to describe what happens to you. Like, early on in the movie, this girl sticks her head out of the car window while it was moving, and she hits a pole, like another. Oh my god! And um, and and she loses her head, and like the entire movie is about the family being haunted by that incident, both figuratively and literally. Anyway, oh but thankfully, god. thankfully for this uh, lady in Bali, that did not happen. There was to her no pole in, in sight. Yeah, because imagine if she lost like her entire upper body. But the clip did absolutely go viral after it was shared by several community Instagram accounts. And people are saying that it was taken uh, quite recently in Karan Asim. Karan Asim is like a beautiful place, like a mountainous area, uh, rice fields and all that. But it's not like in the cities. So people are pretty pissed off that not only did she put her own life in danger, she also risked the safety of other road users. Absolutely. But as of recording, they have not identified her or the people in the car or her party. But once they do, I guess there will be the uh, standard, you know, apology, blah, blah, blah. And then she is probably going to be deported out of Indonesia. Like how many more apologies should we endure (laughs) from stupid, airing foreigners? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they really, they these people really give Bali a bad rep, you know. I mean, I know it's go, like they go there on purpose to be stupid. Yeah, and like if you go to Bali, you can you'll see firsthand that the vast majority of tourists, domestic or foreign, are not trashy. They're not classless. Right, but, but of course, yeah, these yeah. people are the ones who get media attention. Nobody's gonna be like. Oh, random tourist was well behaved on four day trip. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really disappointing. And Bali doesn't really need this, but then again, tourism is indeed picking up. I think people will go there no matter what. So, exactly. So, expect more stupid antics in the coming days. Indeed. Okay, so we go on over to Singapore where 
Okay, so this is this is an interesting thing, right? So there was a boss who was a boomer. So this boomer boss <laughs> was just roasted online for dismissing an intern who requested for a virtual interview. So, yeah, I mean, like, you, you could see where okay. the conflict lies, right? So there's yeah. this boss. His name is Jeffrey Cole, and he runs a toy design agency, and he was he basically blew up on Singaporean internet after he had flamed an intern who he only identified as Sarah for wanting to do a virtual interview instead of meeting at his office. So the guy took offense and called her a, an entitled Singaporean he who would rather not hire over hungry and hardworking foreigners. So much to unpack. <laughs> unpack. And then he said, call me a boomer, but I seriously think our future is fucked. And then said that Sarah is the very reason why I absolutely welcome foreigners who are hungry and hardworking to work here. Fuck all these rules and laws protecting entitled Singaporeans. Ooh. So basically i would rather have foreigners who take bare minimum shit because they're desperate to leave their third world economy <laughs> is what yeah. i mean yeah. oh my god so the post is categorized under quote shit i see say and think album which is filled with over 1400 memes and opinions which is basically him saying this isn't you know like this is just a random tuesday right this rant is mm. a random tuesday but then you know like the post had received mixed reactions with over a thousand shares and then followed up with more context to justify himself and said that sarah shot him an email asking if they were still hiring after she ghosted him months before and claimed that her current internship was having legal issues and had a toxic culture after just one day of on the job so Cog gave her the benefit of the doubt and told her to come down for a chat, which she initially agreed to, but later pushed it to do it virtually instead. Uh, he didn't ask her why and immediately canceled the interview and wished her all the best. What <sighs> say you? There's a 20-minute gap between Sarah saying, see you soon, for the interview that is physical, and, right. and her saying, hi, Jeffrey, is it possible to have a virtual meeting instead? Like without offering any explanation. Right. Um, and she had ample time to explain herself because uh, Ko only replied like a few minutes later, right? Sure. So uh, I don't know. I think it's the, I'm not a boomer. I guess I'm a millennial, but I do see value in meeting people face to face, especially for a job. Yeah. Um, I think that is quite irre irreplaceable because impressions do absolutely matter when you want to hire somebody. And to me, Sarah did not give the right impression by asking for, for a virtual meeting. I get that we have, we've had two, uh, two years of Zoom, but like, come on now. You don't I set know. the terms if you, if you are job hunting. Exactly. Okay, so I guess the most that I'm having trouble with with the guy's post, like with the boss's post, is that he had to drag foreigners into the discussion. I feel yeah. like that was completely unwarranted, right? I mean, because that just invites a whole other conversation altogether. Mm. But like, yeah, I mean, and we're talking about freaking Singapore. Like, you're not going to be stuck in two to three hours of traffic going down mm. to this guy's office. And yeah. yeah, I mean, like, you're absolutely right. Like, you don't set the terms. And it's like, I mean, I do believe that employees do have the right to look for the job that best suits them. But if you're looking for something that's going to be remote, that's some, that like, that's going to be work from home, 
you know, I mean, I think that you should just set the parameters right then and there, right? Like, don't go for a job that's probably going to require you to be in the office five times a day. So mm. if this guy is clearly asking for like a for like a face to face thing, and it's not made clear on on that kind of expectation, then you know, I don't think you should be demanding those things that you're not entitled to. So yeah, yeah. But I do, I do have a problem with co posting all of this on Facebook. Yeah, dude. Like, I mean, that that shit should have just stayed between mm. your private WhatsApp group with you and your friends. And you know, like this, this isn't that. But I mean, like, clearly, we can definitely say that Sarah might have been entitled in this situation. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to be working for a guy who has one thousand four hundred screenshots on Facebook. Of him just ranting about shit. So yeah, maybe <laughs> she dodged a bullet. I have no fucking clue. Yeah. Maybe both of them are, are freaking entitled. Best of luck to both of them then. Exactly. And on that note, I think it's time to call it a day. Um, thank you for listening to WTF. And we'll see you again. Same time, same podcast next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a Coco Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership, make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron, or buy our fresh merch at the Coconut Shop at shop.coconuts.co. Advertise with our in-house agency Grove. Fast, funny, digital. Join forces with us to slay buzzwords, rise above the noise, and sow the seeds of something great. Get in touch via coconuts.co slash grow. Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by journalists on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news on matters large and small designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Sam Beltran and Andrew Nasri. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Our production manager is Clarissa Cortez. And our editor is Vivian C.